From in the beginning to the musical apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Before we begin today's regularly scheduled program, The Bible Says What has two new patrons. Love me, three times level patron Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, for all the extra love and support. And firebrand level patron Adam Bartelt. Thank you, Adam, for helping keep the recording light on. Adam will soon be receiving a signed copy of the book and several BSW stickers. You too can be immortalized in BSW history by going to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will go to the many expenses associated with the show and will get you early access to each episode, shout outs, stickers, and much more. That's patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast. That being said, the Jesus gets us commercials. So much to unpack here. From why does Jesus need a Super Bowl commercial to does he really get us? Starting with why does Jesus need others to speak out for him? According to Christian mythology, Jesus is more than capable of coming down during the middle of the game to let us all know that he loves us and gets us. Holy shit, Bob, look, it's Jesus, and here he is to tell us himself in person that he gets us. Of course, he does not show up, because that's how invisible friends work. Why do they think this Jesus character gets them? What is their source material? The Bible, which most Christians have not bothered to read, and the ones that have completely or deliberately read over and ignore the difficult parts. Again, for the Christians screaming at the radio right now, if Jesus is God and God is Jesus, then everything God does and thinks is exactly what Jesus does and thinks. Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? <laughs> Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is author brother Gregory Williams. Welcome to the show, Gregory. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. So you wrote some books. And we're here to talk about that and what you believe and why you believe it. I'm excited. Um, this is going to be a fun one. So tell us about your books. Let's start with that. Well, uh, the first book that I actually published was, and, and they're all self-published uh, for a variety of reasons, mm. but uh, they're available online for free. Uh, people want hard copies. We can sell them, but I'm not in the book selling business. I'm in sharing information business and so we also have websites as well but the first book was covenants of the gods hmm. and uh you know i'm an old guy so there's a long story leading up to that <laughs> but well i don't i don't want to bore you with the, the whole details to hmm. begin with but we can probably revert back to that during the conversation well, but the others were thy kingdom come uh hmm. the higher liberty um the uh, co contracts, covenants, and constitutions, those are 
kind of the basic and then the free church report, what we call the free church report. They're all extremely controversial depending on who you're talking to. And probably <laughs> majority of the people who now read the Bible uh, would find them controversial, but we've done our homework. So we have a lot of things to back it up. Awesome. Well, I, I find it hard to find people that actually, actually read their Bible, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still finding things unique to it, but I also yeah. have a background in Greek, Latin, and nice. uh, Hebrew. And so I don't think the Bible says what a lot of people think it says. Absolutely. And so I knew that when I was going to be asserting this out there, that people are going to question whether I knew what I was talking about or not. Hmm. So therefore I uh, had to do my homework, but yeah. I rely on uh, lots of different sources. And so we've been at this for quite a few years, like I say, over half a century, easily over half a century. Wow. Well, what's your most controversial view that you, that you have that, that you can think of? Oh, I don't know. There's in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. Let's go top 10. One of those. <laughs> well, one of the one of the things that started in the and, and I mean, we can jump all over the subject mm. matter, but uh, the, the Old Testament, I, I believe that Moses mm. and Jesus Christ were preaching the exact same thing. OK. And most people say, oh, the Old Testament is done away with and the New Testament replaced it all. And I don't I don't I believe that what was and it, this is actually what it says mm. in the New Testament is that the Pharisees got it wrong. Uh -huh. And the Pharisees were in power at the time that Jesus Christ began his ministry. And so therefore, the, it, the Sadducees had it wrong as well. There, there were lots of different religious groups. Uh, uh -huh. And what uh, one of the things in Thy Kingdom Come that starts off really early is that the idea that God told people to pile up stones hmm. and... Uh, kill sheep and set them on fire to make him happy hmm. is not in the biblical text anywhere. Hmm. It's in a lot of the translations. It's in a lot of the theology. Wow. But that's not actually what they're saying. And so that's controversial. So therefore I had to write at least a couple of chapters on that <laughs> <laughs> to find out that. And, and basically it comes down, this is just kind of a, a, a micro examination of one point, which is hmm. what you asked. Hmm is that the same exact word in the Hebrew for a gathering of stones uh -huh. uh, is a council of men. That that means both. Huh. And so when they say you're giving a sheep on an altar of stones, are you giving it to some men? Mm. Or are you just burning it up? Is it mm. is it actually about setting it on fire or is it like you give it entirely? Mm. It's burnt up to you. And these men now have possession, total possession of this sheep for some purpose or other. And of course, when we see the Levites, which was a later hmm. rendition of the altars of stone and clay, which hmm. is another thing, why some altars are clay, why some altars are stone. I like and, that he put the, the thing in there. He doesn't want it on stairs or really high because he doesn't want to see up their, their skirts or their dresses. Right, and we explain that. We explain that. You can That's look good up stuff, our webpage yeah. on breaches. Yeah, uh, because God wrote that because God's looking down or up. That No, that was a no, man. No, it doesn't that. have anything to do with your BBDs at all. Uh, it has it naked. 
it, the same mm. word that means naked, and there's several words that can mean naked, but mm. sometimes when they're talking about naked, they mean without authority. Mm. And so they say in the Bible that the people have to sew the underwear for the Levites. And so there's probably some Jewish groups that are still sewing the underwear nice. for their ministers. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't have anything to do with underwear. It has That's to do funny. with the fact that they have no authority wow. over the people. And hmm. so therefore, if they want any kind of authority, the people have to give it. And of course, there's warnings in there that you don't actually give them the authority that belongs to God, whatever God is. That's another whole subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like um, that subject too. Uh, and so, yeah, they're not. They're. Uh, it, I'll give you an example that hmm. might clarify some of this. Hmm. And when they were in the bondage of Egypt, twenty percent of their labor belonged to the government. And they, you know, mm. if they made 100 bricks, 20 of them went to the government. If they were doing other things, 20% of the value of their labor or maybe their time went to the government. Mm. And the government supplied them with welfare. You know, when there was a shortage, a famine, a dearth, as they say in the New Testament, the government provided some sort of free bread. And mm. you actually go to the temple and they had grain storage at the temple. And so they would pass out the grain when there was a shortage of famine or whatever yeah. and this was what religion was mm. is how you take care of the needy of your society because mm. someday you don't need a massive famine to have some people short of food it could be just maybe their husband died or got sick mm. or fell off a ladder and he can't make a living and the widow and her child yeah. is going to starve and so we have some sort of welfare this is mm. what religion uh, and that's the way religion is defined in the New Testament. It's how you take care of the needy of your society. Pure religion mm -hmm. is how you do that. Well, the problem with Egypt is that the offerings were forced offerings. You had to pay in the 20% huh. uh, of your labor. And then the priests of that system, the men who manage it, huh. redistributed the wealth. When they left Egypt and went out to the desert, it was called free will offerings. You were still supposed to give 10% to the Levite, but eventually to the Levite, they didn't start out with the Levites in charge of yeah. that element of society, that welfare yeah. system. So what they call serving the tabernacles of the congregation. Tabernacle is just a word for tent. Hmm. So they're serving the tents of the congregation because they're all living in tents. They don't, they're moving <laughs> around still. Yeah, and so yeah. If there's a need, they provide that need and the sacrifices that they make to those men is supposed to be redistributed amongst the needy of society yeah. so that nobody starves. Huh. And uh, and so they're but it's free will offerings. They specifically hmm. use words that mean free will offerings. Interesting. By the time you come to Jesus, that word that means free will offering huh. in the Hebrew is Corban. And you see the word Corbin, it actually shows up twice in the King James, but mm. once they don't translate it as Corbin, they translate it as treasury. Huh. But uh, it means the sacrifice, the free will sacrifice of the people. But at that particular time in Judaic history, Herod had instituted a system where you sign up and you had to pay in. Huh. And he set up a whole system of, I, I guess you could say IRS agents who 
would go around and like if you grew a plot of grain, he would mm. pace off that plot of grain, estimate how much grain is there. Huh. And you were expected. You had to give them that 10 percent. Jesus even makes a joke about it. Jesus is actually very funny guy sometimes. <laughs> a real funny he guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you understand what he's really talking about, I mean, mm. the whole eye of the needle thing. Mm. But he says that you're counting the Cummings branches. Mm. Well, Cummings was a herb that often grew in windowsills of houses hmm. and you, you know, a little pot and you'd, you'd water it with your wash water or whatever and, and keep it alive. And then for putting it into whatever you're cooking, you'd break off little branches and throw it in. Hmm. So it's a minuscule amount of production. Yeah. You're not, you don't have big fields, but he's, he's pointing out that they're out there counting the branches on that little Cummings plant in your windowsill because they got a right to 10% of it. <laughs> and this was they were Gabi and Molkai tax collectors hmm. that were sent out by Herod hmm. if you had signed up for his system of social welfare run through the temple hmm. uh, in Jerusalem and Jesus is saying no you're not supposed to be doing that by force I mean that's what John the Baptist said till John the Baptist everybody was trying to establish the kingdom of heaven by hmm. force Forcing the contributions of the people. Now, it wasn't that way mm. 150 years before, or 200 years. Let's go back 200 years. Mm. But uh, it was becoming more and more that way with uh, people like Caesar, Caesar Augustus, uh, who, who was the first real emperor of Rome. And uh, he was setting up this nervous expanded on that. But it was social welfare, the free bread and circuses of Rome uh -huh. to forced offerings. Originally, like Julius Caesar, he forced it from the Gauls, hmm. but eventually they were forcing it from the citizens of Rome. But Herod set up a similar system with the Pharisees, and Jesus opposed that. And so hmm. the, he was not liked by the people who were very dependent upon that system. But this is exactly what Moses was doing when he took the people out of Egypt. He was moving from a system of forced social welfare payments uh -huh. you know where you you were taxed uh, to a system of voluntary uh system of where you voluntarily gave to the minister of your choice you can mm. pick out you know they organized in the what they call the tens hundreds and thousands which goes way back to before nimrod i mean it's not a new thing but they were organized in this group of tens hundreds of thousands and you pick a minister Huh. And you tie it to him. And then he picked, he gets together with nine other ministers like himself. And then they pick a minister. And eventually this gets up to, you know, your tens, hundreds, thousands, yeah, yeah. however many people you have in your community. So thank you. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's the a lot question. there to research. And I want to go back and research all of that. Okay. Um, so is is that, that's the link between Moses and Jesus is that different, that, that sacrificial system there essentially. Well, that, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be a, a key parameter. I mean, mm. it was the Corbin of the Pharisees that Jesus said was, and I'm quoting here, making the word of God to none effect. Mm. And a lot of people, and I ask ministers this all over the country and all over the world. So what was Corbin? Well, mm. he tells you right there that the Corbin of the Pharisees caused the sons, the children of mm. the parents, to do mo no more ought for their parents. They said, well, I gave into Corbin. I gave into the treasury of Corbin. Uh -huh. And so now if you have a need, 
you go to that treasury and they will help you out. You mm. go to the temple or and and they were set up synagogue meant 10 men. That's basically how they were still organized at that time. A synagogue was 10 heads mm. of families. And then they organized in the same way. But the difference was they were forced offerings huh. under Herod and the Pharisees. Yeah. And under well, Jesus Christ, they were free will offerings again. Free, charity, what we call charity. Free will offerings. So let's talk about the offerings a little bit. Um, as far as the sacrificial system goes, or 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 the slaughtering of the innocent in in uh, in order to forgive, um, is how do you see it as far as what it was set up in the Old Testament versus its transition to Jesus? Is there uh, is that part of what you believe? I, I think that the transition. Well, if we go back to going now, you want to go back to the earlier parts of the Old Testament. I mean, there was altars back with yeah, uh, yeah. Cain and Abel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cain had an altar. Oh, great story. Sacrifice was not as accepted and supposedly as supposedly the English. And yeah. uh, and some people say it was because it was vegetables and there wasn't blood in it. Right. Stuff. I don't. I, it doesn't really spell that out. Well, does it say? We'll Everything. stop right there for a second. Does it say? Uh, uh, I think it's like thirty-eight times that God loves the smell of burning flesh. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's in there a lot. It, is that what there. the Hebrew is? It does it match up? No, not really. Uh, because I mean, it does. It can depends uh-huh. on you know. Like recently, we we're going through Exodus because Jordan Peterson went through Exodus, and so I looked at some of that, and I'm going like, oh my gosh. And so I, I say, well, let's let's do Exodus so that people. I mean, he. I really admire the guy mm. individually. I've watched his career over a long period of time. Mm. I mean, he started a socialist, and then he decided he didn't like socialists. Most of them lower socialists, but he started as a socialist because besides Jordan Peterson, besides him, people. besides him, we don't care. Yeah, but anyway, so he started this Exodus. Well, one of the things they came to with Dennis Prager and all these people in mm. that was leaven, that you mm. have to get the leaven out of your house. Mm. That's what supposedly Exodus says. And I think it's in 13 or 14 or something we just did recently. Mm. And uh, uh, the problem is the same word for leaven is also the word for cruelty and grievousness and mm. even violence. Mm. And so the, we got lots of Jews today, you know, Orthodox Jews. A lot of mm. Jews don't care one way or the other, but mm. Passover, they got to get, they make all this unleavened bread for mm. seven days and they supposedly have to get the leaven out of their house. And so they take their leaven over to their neighbor's house, who's not Jewish. And they said, well, you keep my leaven until this, the ceremony is over and then I'll take the leaven back. <laughs> and so they think, well, now I'm up. I'm complying with the commands in the Old Testament concerning leaven. And this mm. is going to, I'll bring this into the blood sacrifice. Because mm. I actually heard you talking to somebody about uh, turtle doves, killing turtle doves. Whoa, uh, and, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was in your conversation with mm. them, but you were bringing up that aspect of it. And the, the, it's really simple. The same mm. exact word for leaven means cruelty. So it's not about getting yeast out of your house i don't think anybody could get all the yeast out of their house that they wanted because it's in the air (laughs) but uh what it's about is getting the cruelty and Mm. oppression 
out of your heart and therefore out of your house. And the word that they actually have there in the one part of the Testament, getting it out of your quarters in the King James, it translates the quarters. But the same word hmm. everywhere else it shows up with the same spelling throughout the, the, the Testament. It means out of the borders of your nation. Hmm. So your government should not be forcing with oppression the sacrifices hmm. of the people. If, it, if you're still doing that, I don't care how much yeast you get out of your house. You're not in compliance with what Moses was talking about. You might be in compliance with what the translators are telling <laughs> the words mean, yeah. but you're not in compliance because Moses was trying to get the people to care about one another, huh. to take care of one another. Interesting. This is what Jesus was trying to do. I mean, Moses said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Moses hmm. said, don't oppress this stranger. Moses said to give food and drink to the enemy. Yeah. Uh, now, there's a lot of lot, it's a, there's a lot of other things in there, too, though. You and, know. and so people but we can look at individual hmm. translations and say, well, what is the word there? Like I said, hmm. everywhere it says get this cruelty and violence out of your nation. But in that one verse, they suddenly changed the word out of your the borders of your nation to mean out of the out of your house out of the borders mm. of your house well that's not what moses said that's what mm. the translator said now a lot of people say well then i have to go learn hebrew in order to understand the bible yeah well it wouldn't, and, and wouldn't this hurt would be a controversy probably <laughs> with you is that i believe mm. that all you need is the Holy Spirit. There it is. Oh man. There it is. There it oh, is. Man. The Holy Spirit. That ghost. <laughs> that ghost. <laughs> oh man, this guy knows me. <laughs> I only watched a couple of programs. <laughs> Love it. Oh man. But uh the, but I can't prove to you that there's a Holy Spirit. Yeah, me, no. It's obvious. Wow. But by the yeah. nature of what the Holy Spirit is. Hmm. It's not something I'm going to put under a test tube, but it can be tested for. Mm. You can test for it. You can test but, for the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah. I mean, just like anything that's metaphysical, there's a, there's a book. Can we do that now? Me. Well, I, no. I, I can do a test now, but no, you're talking about a two minute <laughs> test. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's not scientific. A oh, well, I mean, that's scientific. I don't know. Stephen Myers wrote a book, mm. uh, which I can't remember the name of it right mm. offhand, but it, it's Stephen Myers, Dr. Stephen Myers, you know, he's he's actually bringing the God element back into science. And he's saying that it, it really, there really is a validity to it, along with a lot of other science. But he wrote a yeah. book recently. I can probably come up with the name here somewhere. But uh, anyway, uh, his book... Uh, talks about you know metaphysical yes know, spiritual things things you can't put under your test tube and see i mean there's a lot yeah. of things that we believe intangible in objects yeah tangible objects there's a lot of things that we believe that exist we can't see them mm -hmm. science though does experiments to test for the reality of what they think you know they develop a theory and then they test that theory and that science is a process it's yep. anybody but nowhere are we testing for invisible people. Where are we testing well, for invisible people? Well, uh, CERN, CERN. Uh, in France, <laughs> they're testing they for believe. invisible people. This, this is, is what CERN actually they've CERN. published numerous papers. They see it with their super collider 
that they they bombard those aren't invisible cargos. people though no no but this is their theory and they're actually <laughs> spending millions billions of dollars hmm. to open a door to other realms hmm. they believe there's other realms because they see energy pop in mm -hmm. and disappear mm -hmm. they see particles come in and disappear and they believe and there's a whole theory of this and of course yeah. this is what we're spiritual reality is a theory okay uh, evolution is a theory yeah and well evolution has a lot of evidence behind it the spiritual thing where we've got a thing that pops in and out is that is that the best evidence we have for this well the spiritual realm well, the fact that they're spending a billion dollars to open up these other realms. They're not looking for <laughs> spiritual realms, though. I mean, at this See, point, we're you just, even we're say just, we're not that you inserting have God. That, I have lots of weird theories. That, yeah, I know. And that's fine. <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's the conversation. No. I'm not going to do them as truth, holes, though. I'm not going to. Black holes get together and all this mm. gravity and materials and everything is going mm. into the black hole. And I, I may have it wrong here because mm. I just heard it briefly, but you know, that <laughs> somewhere else yeah. the universe pops out. I love it. I and love it. I, I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it, it's an mm. interesting theory. And I look mm. at a lot of interesting theories, but uh, the reality is, is, you know, the, the fact is, is that they're believing that there's multiple dimensions mm -hmm. that we live in a multi, and there's a huge amount of mathematics that is saying. It's a that, theory. We're just guessing at this point. We don't have enough evidence to to say it's you know this is going. This is what happens. Well, we, we have enough, enough evidence, evidence for evolutions to say this is what happens. A billion dollars to open up a door into the other. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I mean, I'm not, if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't spend it on that. But no. But they're not asking me what we should spend a billion dollars on. <laughs> true. Which is okay. That's uh, probably best, right? I don't know. For me, anyways, it's probably best. I don't know. It would, you know, a billion dollars. I oh, can't even imagine what yeah. I'd spend that on. But um, I screwed up somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they believe there's ultimate. I mean, you, you, there's, you know, there's the. Uh, Membrane theory of the universe, mm. quantum theory of the mm. universe, string theory of the universe, mm. and, and a lot of these kind of overlap, but they're approached from a different point of view. And mm. a lot of them are backed up by math, and then other mathematicians come in and say, well, no, that doesn't work out. Mm. And then they work around it, and they say, well, actually, this over here is better. And that's why you yeah. end up with all these different theories. Okay. But the reality is they believe that there's multiple dimensions. Well, let's stop right there, though. Let's stop right there. There's all these different theories. Why right. are we why are we going to put God there when we don't know? There's all these different ideas. None well, of them are is, for sure. The yet. Bible actually talks about is that there are multiple dimensions. They call one of them heaven. Well, that's right. a yeah. Well, <laughs> that's their realms name. and stuff. Yeah, for well, sure. That's their it, name. They name a, a realm heaven and they name another realm hell. Now, right. other people come along like Dante and well, other religions have realms, too. That doesn't make them the right religion or the right gods. So well, how do we get say, to your God from all of these different theories? How does that work? Is your God a God that loves life? Does my I don't have a God. Okay. Come on, Gregory. I thought you knew me. You were doing so well. <laughs> do you love life? Uh, do I love life? Yes. Yes. Do you care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself? Oh, uh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I don't <laughs> know my neighbors, but that's terrible. There. I'm I mean... watching your eyes when you ask me. <laughs> Sometimes, are you talking about the neighbor on my left side? Right. Oh man, that right guy in the corner. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reality is, I mean, this is 
So these are distinguishing characteristics that we can apply to mm. whatever it is that we're calling God. Mm. And, and, you know, I don't Why are we applying that to God? man with a long white beard. <laughs> I, I don't think of as a, a guy who's out there manipulating everybody and mm. all this stuff. I mm. believe that there's a creative force that, <clears throat> you know, what, what do they call it? Uh, uh design you know intelligent design intelligent design or, or divine design some people actually actually i coined that i don't know if other people use it much <laughs> i've but, never uh, heard it nice job <laughs> but you know i mean right reason people want to replace god with right reason hmm. except the original definition of right reason was the law of nature hmm. and the law of nature and nature's god as jefferson refers to it uh is what is it, hmm. What it, it, if you go back to Aristotle and those guys, they're talking about the unmoved mover. But when Aristotle and them were talking about the universe, they believed that there was a design because all the planets moved in an absolutely perfect circular mm -hmm. orbit. Except for now, we know they actually are in elliptical orbits. <laughs> so, <laughs> as it turns their out, their rationale <laughs> to get to where they were you say is now defeated because they're not perfectly circled. They're perfectly elliptical. Or mm. <laughs> and they vary <laughs> on the planets and where they're located because of astrophysics. But it's still patterns that we see in the universe. And this is what guys like Stephen Myers and, and I can't think of the other authors. I never did come up with the name of his most recent book Patterns. is saying that the more uh, return of the God uh, uh -huh. hypothesis, that was the name of the book. My, my grandson looked it up on there his phone. <laughs> nice job, I'm not grandson. That smart. I, I, <laughs> I have an assistant anyway. So, uh, but the and you can believe Stephen Myers or not, but he's a very yeah. intelligent guy, and he goes to a lot of other people. And it, it would be another book you could add to your shelf of books yeah. that you haven't read yet. I remember you pulled down a book. I got all kinds of books I haven't read yet. That, this is in one of the. I love it. And, and love you it. held it up, and it was. Um, oh, it was, uh, Gibbons, uh, the decline and fall of the Roman it's, Empire. I'm staring right and at I it. Said, yep, I read it. You did. <laughs> How was it? Was it good? Nice, nice. <laughs> this is awesome. And I, I, I find the you know, I quote Gibbons mm. and a lot of other people. That's one of the things. My first book, Covenants of the Gods, it, mm. it's written in a particular fashion. I haven't ever written another book entirely the same way, mm. and that book just poured out of me. And, you know, I was back on a Remington typewriter. Uh, there wasn't the internet. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so ancient, you know. And, uh, but uh, actually, I started writing it out by hand, and my wife was going to mm. type it. There you go. Uh, but then I felt so guilty making my wife type it. She's a much faster typer. I, I learned to type so that she didn't have to do there that. There you go. Nice, that, nice. I, I wrote the book in about three months. Hmm. And, uh, and and I've been editing it for 30 years. <laughs> I'm very dyslexic. And, oh man. And so uh I don't I don't think in words, I think in pictures and stuff. You know, hmm. I'm probably on somebody's spectrum for it, you know, along with Elon Musk and all those other guys. Hmm. But uh, the, the the point of, uh, of this is that uh that book was written where I put in quotes. I put mm. in a Bible quote. I put in a quote from a philosopher or a theologian or from 
from a scientist or from some ancient the beta scripts or whatever and uh and then i go back to prose and then mm. i go back to quotes and it, you can look on some pages and there's more quotes than me and when my daughter who was like 12 at the time helped me put the chapters all together and she was looking at them and she says well i see all the quotes dad when are you gonna write something <laughs> <laughs> what Meyer say what Meyer say though <laughs> 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 but there's a method in that because you read quotes with a different part of your brain mm. than you read prose. Mm. It's like music. You, you use a different part of your brain to, if you're listening to a song. That's why sometimes people who stutter when they speak, they can sing and they never stutter mm. Uh, mm. because they're actually using a different part of their brain. So what what's happening, men have this problem more than women connecting left and right side of your brains. Mm. And so the book was written to help you connect left and right side of your brain. I've, I've known people to read the book five times. Uh, other people to say, every time I start reading it, I fall asleep. <laughs> other people <laughs> says, so I, helpful, I couldn't put it down. I read it all through the night. <laughs> so, so everybody's going to see it a little bit different. Oh, man. So I'm not trying to convince you. And you say that to your the people that you've interviewed mm. is I'm not trying to change your beliefs or convince mm. you or anything. Uh, you, you have an agenda. Mm. I have an agenda. Mm. And if we don't have an agenda, we're just a blob. Yeah. We all should have an agenda. I don't know. I'm not saying whether it's good or bad or whatever. It's, mm. it's, you have desires and beliefs and, and you want your beliefs accepted. Mm. You don't necessarily require them. You seem to be very jovial in most of your, some of the people were kind of put off by you, but you didn't seem to be put off by anybody. Nah. <laughs> and I've well, watched you a few times. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few that are just. I, I, I will need to question your children if you have any. Oh. I know more about. It. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, Patterns. so controversy of what is in the Bible. You can. We kind of covered that, and that's yeah. really what we should be talking about. I want to go back to the patterns, though, real quick, though. You were talking about patterns. Uh, you see patterns in the universe. What patterns did you see? Well, there's uh, on which levels. Uh, well, just, well, let's go with this. How do these patterns point to a God? Why does a pattern mean God? Uh, well, you, you, you might want to read Stephen Meyer's book. <laughs> there it is. That's, why we, that's that, where we're going. going to go into all the different sciences. You know, okay. The Cosmology and astrophysics gotcha. and all those kinds of things. Biology hmm. uh, is that the the question is is how well uh, let's let's take somebody who is atheist. Was it Hawkins? Dawkins? Uh, isn't he kind of an atheist? Um, uh, I was trying to think of uh, the universe we observe. Hmm. Yeah, Richard Dawkins. Yeah. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at the bottom no design no purpose no evil no good nothing but blind pitiless indifference hmm. well the truth is is that the same thing that we observe also fits if there's a god Wait, well, it, I mean, that doesn't take god out of the equation the god word is so he doesn't need broad. a god to see what he observes. 
But uh, one of the things when I read that the first time, and I actually mentioned it not too long ago on the radio, is that mm. uh, this blind, pitiless indifference, mm. uh, I see that as one of the very first parenting skills I learned. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, people say parenting skills blind. <laughs> when your child is being unreasonable and throwing mm. a temper tantrum and wants this toy mm. uh in the store or whatever it is. Not that my kids ever did that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and actually my kids, I don't recall my kids ever doing that because mm. they never got that far, yeah. but you need a certain amount of blind, pitiless indifference. Otherwise you're going to raise a spoiled child. Uh -huh. Now that doesn't mean you're entirely indifferent to the right, child. Right, right, right. Not it for every circumstance. You're indifference to his temper tantrum. And mm. he knows, you know, I, I have had kids kind of starting to throw a fit and I, mostly kids that I take care of from, from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I actually, I had a, a kid that would come over here on a regular basis when he was little, him and his sister, and we just babysitted for free because the mother had to work. And it was just one of those things we did for the community. Ah, oh, super. Awesome. And, uh, uh, and she couldn't afford a babysitter. She was just barely making ends meet. So we yeah. just did it, but they were very spoiled kids. Huh. I mean, they're all grown up now. I know them. But when they were little, they were pretty spoiled. And that often happens when a mother's trying to do it all herself. Yeah. Uh, mm. Because it, it's almost impossible to raise a kid with two people, mm. much less one. Mm. But uh, anyway, when he was throwing a fit, I would I would say, well, looks like a beaver trap. And I would hold, I'd take him and set him on the, the big bed and, and hold his ankle with my... You know, he's like three or something and he's flopping around, throwing a fit and all this stuff. And I'm just holding the ankle. I'm reading a book and and he can go all over the bed and everything, but he can't get away. Hmm. And it's not hurting him or anything, but he's just kind of his time out in the corner. But I don't think he would have stayed in the corner if I put him in a corner. Huh. <laughs> and I'm still there. I'm with him. I'm not leaving him, abandoning him to his agony as a child, growing pains. And eventually he's, he's would settle down and then we would go out and he would behave himself and not cause trouble with all the other mm. kids. And sometimes that didn't work very long and we went back in and then eventually he realized that you're not going to get away with it. And he just settled down. Mm. I didn't see him for years and years. You know, we saw him for a period and then they moved away and then they came back and he came back. Now he's like eight, nine years old. And the first thing he did was run in lay on the floor in front of me, put his foot up in my lap and say, beaver trap. <laughs> he knew that I was doing it out of love, uh. helping him overcome his childish temper tantrums. Hmm. And so you're imparting that thing. So it was never, I was indifferent to the temper tantrum, but not. And so now let's equate this back to what the yeah. Bible says. Yeah. Because some people, you know, they have deists and all this stuff. I don't necessarily believe that God himself, whatever this God himself is, this hmm. source of the divine order, okay. is out there pulling puppet strings on all the people, okay. meddling in their day-to-day -day lives. I believe that it's built in to nature. Huh. Now, unpacking that is what I do every day you know, hours and hours, we have thousands of recordings up hmm. going through different scriptures of the Bible, showing you just the idea 
that the animal sacrifice that everybody thinks God loves the smell of uh-huh. our flesh. Cause I've <laughs> actually burned up a sheep before, mm. not as a religious exercise. It was it died. That's <laughs> all. And uh, make sure you spread, spread the blood in the right, right places. There. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it died on its own. I didn't slit its throat, but uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it stinks. Mm. It's horrible. As a matter of fact, there's all kinds of laws of physics. If you put a whole sheep on a, a funeral pyre mm. you know, where it's burning, the gases in its belly will start exploding and you will have exploding sheep and and uh, no good or- odors come out of that at all. And anybody who's ever seen that huh. will know that that's not what they're talking about. If you knew the Hebrew language and you're looking at these words, gotcha. you've seen the same exact word for leaven. Huh. means uh, cruelty and violence and oppression you you when you read it when moses wrote it you will know so he's not talking about getting leaven out of your house he's talking about getting cruelty out of your house so Second the whole system circum- circumcision of the heart Oh God, I love that verse. <laughs> well, it, Moses said it it's the circumcision yeah, of it. the heart. I love it. Not the circumcision. You you can you can go and circumcise all the people you want, but if you don't have the circumcision of the heart, then you're going to still be it back to that cruelty, hmm. back so, to oppressing your neighbor. It's 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 not loving your neighbor to force your neighbor to contribute to what you want for free. Most so is that that's a pattern? There's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> If you're we can see, we can see lots of patterns. We just, you know, we just have to put the pieces together where they, where you want them hundred percent, especially with the Bible, man, there's a ton of patterns we can use to say different things and use different things. Uh, I love that, you know, the Hebrew, cause that really helps out, you know, move the patterns around to fit different places. Uh, so what we've done, what you've done with the sacrifice sacrificial system is it's a, uh, a social thing to help people out. God didn't ordain the killing of animals to forgive people. Is that where I'm getting with this? It's, well, it's to okay. help people well, now, in a social system and Here, all that. Here's forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mm. You know, you forgive so that you will be forgiven. That's something that Jesus says. And actually, Moses says comparable things himself. Mm. Uh, and of course, that's the nature of the sacrifice. Here's the Israelites out in the in the desert in the area of Sinai. And uh, they're not growing any crops now. They're they're carrying, you know, they're they're mm. on a keto diet. <laughs> <laughs> because they have flocks and cattle and sheep with them, you know, so uh, there's, you know, they're either going to eat up all their flocks or they're going to need other sources of food. Hmm. Um, but everybody doesn't have all that. Everybody wasn't a shepherd in Goshen. Uh, so they have to share. Hmm. They're forced to share or large portions of their entourage are going to start dying off. And so right away he's instituting if you understand, you know, here, let's go back to something very fundamental. That's everyday thing, right? In modern language, hmm. religion What's hmm. the definition of religion. Now, a lot of people say, well, we don't need religion. I don't need religion. I, I, I will tell you, you have religion. Oh, you're, you're well, probably a deeply religious person contributing regularly to your religion. Oh, man. And in, in which way are we using the word religion? Okay. Now, if you look it up on Google, you Hmm. look up the word religion, it says uh, what you think about a supreme being. 
I think that's something along that fact. If you look up the word religion, no, no, that's not working. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I can't pop it up on my screen. Oh my goodness. Why is nothing working? There we go. I'll just use my phone. If you you go to preparingyou.com, I have the quotes (laughs) of what religion is. I'm just going from memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look up the word religion there, it defines religion. And it shows you the Google definition, but it the also belief in and worship of a superhuman power or powers, especially a God or gods. That's the first one. The second one is a particular system of faith and worship. Third one is a pursuit or interest into which someone ascribes supreme importance. Uh, okay. a pursuit or interest now, to which... Is that the one you're describing as me? 200 years ago, we'll look up the definition of religion. Hmm. And at the time that the Constitution was written. Hmm. Uh, and the definition of religion then was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. Now, you use the word worship in those definitions you were pulling up. Hmm. Uh, worship means to serve. The Hebrew words for worship is the same words to serve. Hmm. So the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man is what religion was. And they actually say pious performance of your duty but then if you go back to that same 200 year old dictionary the word pious has to do with a patrimonial responsibility it, it doesn't mean putting your head down and bowing so and, if we're, we're using the words in those contexts then then i am a deeply religious person worshiping what no no i mean we have to find out what your religion is yet oh we, oh. we don't know you're let's go back to that pious performance of a duty to god and your fellow man okay what is your duty to God and your fellow man? Well, it depends on who your God is. Your God is going to prescribe what your duties are. Uh-huh. God doesn't need your sheep. He doesn't. I don't really believe that he likes the smell of burning sheep. <laughs> <laughs> he he does, probably doesn't eat lamb, mm-hmm. uh, whatever this God is that created the universe. But your duty to your fellow man, according to Moses, according to Jesus, according to all the prophets, is that you have to love your neighbor as yourself. You have to actually care about him. You have to come to his aid and to his defense. And uh-huh. and you have to, you know, you don't want to see some widow starving to death next door because her husband died. Uh-huh. So you have a duty to intervene and to help them some way. And. Moses said you had to do this by free will choice. Jesus said you had to do this by free will choice. But FDR and LBJ said you have to do it by joining our system of what really what is public religion. And we will extract from you what we need to take care of the needy of society. We will take care of the widows, the orphans, the homeless, uh, the elderly, your parents. We will take care of your parents through Social Security. I mean, FDR started Social Security. LBJ was the great society. (laughs) It's all about welfare for the needy of your society. The problem is they are men who exercise authority. They will force the contributions of all those people who sign up. If I I came from, uh, you know, France, and came here to America and stayed in some chateau somewhere uh-huh. and wrote a book and sold that book for a million dollars, I would know the federal government a dime hmm. because I'm not signed up with their system. I might owe France some money, although 
the reality is most of those European countries, if you're out of the country making money, you don't owe them. Huh. United States, if you, if I was a U.S. citizen and I went to um, France and wrote my book, I huh. still owe them. That's just the way they've set it up. And the gods of their system, the ruling judges of their system, say that that's what I would owe. And they will come after me and force me to contribute so that's that, my religion because I'm a member of that system. America is my religion. Uh, well, the, what it is is there's a term called public religion, mm. and this is what Rome had: public religion. And if you were a part of that, that's what see uh, what Herod was setting up was public religion that you sign up uh -huh. and you had to pay into that religion, and it was still redistributing the wealth amongst the needy of society mm -hmm. to one degree or another, you know, they were right. Yeah. They were dividing the bread from the house to house as they saw it fit. But so were the early Christian ministers mm. under Christ when they, after, you know, so have lots of civilizations, lots of civilizations. Yes. yes. They all have system. And yeah. I would say all, but because that's a lot. Most, but most have most some of sort of, uh, yes. I don't want to exaggerate, but most systems have some way. I mean, the Teutons had it. So we're all religious, but what about the sacrifice, the sacrifices? But that's the, the... the difference between <laughs> what the Bible is saying that religion should be and what like FDR says it should be. Uh, and I'm just using him as an example, because uh, a lot of people that will listen to this know who FDR is, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for those who haven't done it. <laughs> Google that, kids. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's the one who started the Social Security system. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the only person you've ever talked to who's actually read the Social Security Act. This is the first time the Social Security system has ever been mentioned on this show. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because that's public religion. That's yeah, how yeah. you perform your duty just a... to your fellow man, mm. how you take care of the needy of your society. Mm. Uh, it's not just, it doesn't just take care of the elderly. It takes care of uh, a lot, a lot mm. of different, you know, I mean, if you want to go get welfare, you got to show them your social security number to show them mm. that you're a member. Yeah. Generally speaking, although some of that's changing now with the, uh, yeah some of the programs they have for illegal aliens or whatever they are, um, they, they can actually get, mm. in some cases they get more assistance than America <laughs> who are part of the system, which is, mm. that's another whole topic. But, that's a, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that this is how some societies take care of the needy of their society and they do it through forced offerings. So, Two men like FDR who exercises authority one over the other once you sign up and forces the contributions of the people for mm. the redistribution of wealth to what who they think are the needy of mm. society. The early church after Pentecost, they were rightly dividing the bread from house to house. That's what it says. That's a direct quote. What where did that bread come from? It came from the free will offerings of the people because like, I mean, you, you go back to the very beginning of the New Testament when you're looking at John the Baptist, it says everybody was trying to establish the kingdom of heaven by force. They're talking about the Pharisees and Herod forcing the offerings of the people. Mm -hmm. But John the Baptist said, if you have two coats and your neighbor has none, share. Hmm. Do the same in meats. Hmm. He's talking about free will offerings again. 
but he was out in the desert talking about him. And that's another long story. Why yeah. is he out so, in the desert? But no, that, thank you for that. I appreciate that it. was bucking the system that the Pharisees were promoting. How does Jesus fit into that? Jesus said the same thing. No, the sacrifice of Jesus. How does that fit into this system, this free will? Oh, versus boy, force? that's a big deal. Do you now, believe that happened, first off? Jesus died for our sins? That's a thing. Well, it d- doesn't actually say that in the Bible. Oh, there it is. Oh, I, I, I know there's this. a lot this of good. theology out there that says that he died for our sins. Explain to me. Ta- tell me. Tell me, Gregory. That you might be saved. Hmm. He gave his life that you might be saved. How are we taking the word might? <laughs> uh, that, that you still have a choice. Hmm. You don't have to repent. Repent means to think differently. Yeah. See, most Christians thinks it's absolutely okay to go mm. to men who exercise authority mm. one over the other to get benefits at the expense of my neighbor through those men who exercise authority. Mm. Even though in Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it was not to be that way with you. Mm. But they just skipped that. They don't even look at that. But he said it, I mean, in three of the Gospels specifically, and in uh, in John, he also says it. I mean, in John, they have a great scene there where a blind man, here's an interesting story for the Bible. So what it says, there's a man who is blind and Jesus comes up to him, sees that he's blind. And this is the only so-called miracle where the person... Uh, that needed help did not ask for it or somebody didn't ask for it for him. But Jesus goes up to him and says, I come to give sight to the blind. And he takes some dirt, yeah. spits in it, Ugh. and he rubs it in the guy's eyes. And then he says, go wash that out. Uh, so that he, this guy's never seen Jesus. Hmm. Doesn't even know what he looks like. Hmm. And that will play in later in the story. But so the guy goes and washes it out. And when he washes it out, he stands up and he says, he sees Mm -hmm. he's been blind since birth. He sees and he knows Jesus did it, but he doesn't know what Jesus looks like. Mm -hmm. And he's professing Jesus as the Christ, which means the anointed, which means the king, which Mm -hmm. means the Messiah. Messiah. And this was taboo to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. You couldn't call him the Messiah. And they were very upset if anybody did that. So they go to him and they say, you can't say that. And he says, but I can't say anything else because now I see he must be the Messiah. And so they go to his parents. This is around John 9, 10 or something <laughs> like that. And the parents say, they ask, your son is saying this. Do you go- agree with him? And they, they say what the parents are thinking. They're saying, we know that if we say yes, that we agree with our son, we know he's been blind since birth and now he sees, Hmm. walking around seeing people. He says, if we profess that our son is telling the truth, Hmm. we'll be cast out of the synagogue, which means cast out of the system of social welfare set up by the Pharisees and Herod. And they don't want to do that. So, and and this is what that says in the text that they say, my son is old enough to speak for himself. You just have to ask him or we're not going to say one way or the other because they don't want to be kicked out. But the son says, I'm, I'm sticking to it. And he's kicked out. And then this is also the only time hmm. that Jesus went to him, went to the person he healed, found him, says he actually looked for him, found him. 
and said, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the King of Judea? Which is basically what he's asking when he says, asking that question. And he said, yes, I do. And he says, I am him. Come follow me. And then he goes off with him. But uh -huh. the, the point is, is that he was willing to lose everything, cast out. He has no job skills. He is supported by the temple because he's a blind man. And now he's can see, but he has no way of making a living. And his family has kicked him out. <laughs> so, so now he is basically entering into another family. What Jesus was doing was setting up a network. And he actually tells us this. This is I run into this all the time with ministers. They say, oh, huh. no, no, no. He wasn't doing this. But you see it in Math Mark 6. He says... Yeah. That his ministers, he the only time he actually commands people to do anything, and he's only commanding his ministers, his trained ministers, make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Hmm. And this is when the 5,000 men and their families out there supposedly in the wilderness. And there's all kinds of movie renditions of this. And I squirm in my chair every time I see them because that's <laughs> not what they said. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's me personally. I, I have love to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. For they know not what they do. But hmm. anyway, the he he's organizing the people that are following him, that are accepting him as the Christ, saying that he's the highest son of David. That mm. was the controversy when Jesus came on the scene. Herod was dead. Mm. There was no king sitting in Jerusalem. And so who is the rightful king? And I won't go into all the details, but eventually they agreed that mm. Jesus was the right, even Rome agreed <laughs> that Jesus was the rightful king of Judea, a recognized government that was independent of the Roman Empire, or to some degree independent of the Roman Empire. It wasn't really conquered yet. Was Jesus a free will sacrifice? Uh, he willingly went to the cross so that you might be saved. And and now, now you've got to go read the book Covenants of the Gods. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Adding it to my list. An hour-long show. Uh, I could give you some. Yeah, he died for our sins. That's we are I, getting. That's yeah, it. we are getting close to the end. More but, in depth than of that. Of course, of course. So he did yeah. die for our sins, though, and that that was no, a free he will. Died that you well, might, 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 he might be. He, I'm just gonna get rid of that. And he, he needed died. to die. He died. Okay. Uh, at the hands, uh -huh. not really of the Romans, uh because -huh. uh, Rome found him innocent. But, you know, I mean, it, most people don't know it. Pontius Pilate later became a Christian. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. He actually started churches. Wow. Uh, his wife was already following Jesus. Interesting. Uh, which they say there in the text that she knew all about Jesus. Don't, don't, don't harm this man and all this stuff. And then who is his wife? His wife <laughs> is the favorite granddaughter of the emperor of Rome. Tiberius. Interesting. And so this is all playing into the politics. And, mm. and if you don't know some of the backdrop of other histories, you don't really know what's going on. Rome mm. accepted that Jesus Christ was the king. And when he wrote this royal proclamation in three languages, Pontius Pilate did, he's, and later we'll see Rome actually coming to the protection of Christians huh. uh, against the Pharisees in Judea because of this royal proclamation. Because they had every, they're actually in the temple 
receiving the contributions of the people. But the difference is they're now free will offerings. And Jesus has gone to a great explanation of, okay, now to be a good servant of my God, my system, you go to somebody and say, what do you owe? Mm-hmm. They can figure what they owe. I know what I made. I, I'm not. Nobody has to go out and pace off their grain field or count the Cummins branches. <laughs> what do you owe? And we're going to take you word your word for it, just kind of mm-hmm. like the IRS. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you owe? Mm-hmm. And you fill out the form. <laughs> well, the IRS may say, "I I think this is a lie, and you really owe more than this." And they come after you, and they may throw you in the jail. But that's not the instructions that Jesus gave to his government ministers. He says, huh. you look at, you ask them what they owe, what they, and he says, well, what can you afford? I can only afford this much. You're to write paid in full. You're not supposed to go after them and throw them in jail because they didn't pay their fair share. And so this is a different form of government. So this God is, is in that book you haven't read yet. And yeah. give it. <laughs> Sit right there. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Uh, it's right there over here. But yeah. he says that the Christians, early Christians, this is before Constantine or any, but but were a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. They were a separate government recognized by the Roman Empire, and that they didn't. They didn't have to pay into the different temples. They could join this religion of Christianity and they would pay their voluntary ministers, their voluntary offerings, and they would take care of the needy of society through this free will offerings. And I tell you that when you accept that idea, it will change you. Hmm. It will actually change you spiritually. Oh, no. There it is. <laughs> because, see, right you now, your if you yourself, go by Gregory. the system of FDR, <laughs> the spirit of your system is force. Well, let, hold on. And Let, let's, compliance. I, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. You're so you're so much fun. Um, God, though, God is like, to me, I'm hearing God is the IRS. We've got God no. the head here telling us we owe him something. We don't know how much it is, but he's he's but he's 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 different than the IRS. I guess he's a good IRS. He's gonna write off our, our debt for us. He's gonna kill himself to write off our debt. No. How did no, that work? That's not, it, that's not why he so died. God's not the IRS or God is the IRS. Is that a good No. Oh well no. the IRS may be God to some people. Oh, oh man. We're switching that around. <laughs> okay, let's look at the word God. We're looking at words because this is really what we, if we have this, I don't know how long we're going, but we're almost uh, done. Yeah. We got to get going here. So anyway, go ahead. So yeah, yeah. This, God is a good word to look at. Now we looked at religion. Religion yeah. is how you take care of the needy. And there's two kinds of religion. There's thousands of denominations, but one operates by force, fear, and fealty. Huh. And the other one operates by faith, hope, and charity. And so that's the difference between those two religions. And so you're either a part of the one that operates by force or mm. the one that operates operates by faith and charity and hope Interesting concept. that somebody Love. will take care of you. Uh, God, mm. the word God in the Old Testament, there's two words that are translated into God. The most common is Elohim. And Elohim is also translated judges, referring to actual people who are mm. judges. And the small G God and the big G God, it's the same word. And you're not to make any covenants with the gods of the inhabitants where you go. If you make a covenant with them, 
you will become subject to those gods. Now, those guys didn't create the universe, but they may have created that city-state and everything because the word Elohim simply means ruling judges. They're the ones who are going to decide what is good and evil in this city-state. Now you go to the New Testament, to do, keep this short, huh. as the word that we see translated God is theos. If you went into a court of law in, in Rome, in Judea, like a, a Roman Judea, court in Judea, not the local court. You'd use Elohim in the local court because we see that in the in the Old Testament where they're talking about judges in courts called Theos. I mean, Elohim in the Old Testament, but they translate it judges. If you don't read it in the Hebrew, you won't notice that. You'll think that's a different word there, but it's actually the same word because the word. So New Testament, New Testament, New Testament. So in the New Testament, (laughs) Theos, if you went into court, you would address the judge as Theos, mm-hmm. because he is the ruling judge of that courtroom. Uh-huh. If you go into courts today, you will the judge will want he will act like a god sometimes <laughs> as well. Because he's the ruling judge. This is my mm. court. We're yeah, gonna do it yeah. my way in my blah, court. Blah, blah, yeah. And and, and, uh, <laughs> and and I I I've I've been in courts for other people, not for myself yet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's how you make covenants with other men who will become gods for you deciding what is good and evil for you is that you make some sort of agreement uh you sign some sort of document you you sign up for some sort of a program and it gives them the power to decide what you you didn't give enough you have yeah, to yeah, give yeah. and so this makes them gods now the god of heaven wants the right to choose in your hands which brings us into the whole book of the higher liberty in Romans 13, but we won't go there. We'll get this done. So all of <laughs> next that time, is, next time. give you, give you an idea. The Roman emperor, the Augustus Caesar, first Roman emperor was called the son of God. He, that you but had they, to go to the temples of Rome deified and their rulers. give a sacrifice every year and to show that you still agreed that the emperor of Rome Augustus Caesar, uh, whose real name was Octavius, was the son of God. Hmm. Jesus was also called the son of God. And that's what the prophecy was, is that he would be called the son of God. And so you got two people here, both being called son of God. Christians following this guy because they say he's the son of God. Uh But all the Romans and most of the Jews were calling Caesar the son of God. Uh But they were really just the heads of systems. And one system operated by force Uh and fealty. Uh And the other one offered uh, operated by faith, hope and charity. Faith is just another word for allegiance. So. Anyway, the the distinction goes farther because there was another title given to Augustus Caesar. First, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm trying to figure out what it, <laughs> the sacrifice for you though. I want what well, did do you believe that Jesus had to die because God needed it done or wanted it done no, no, or required no. it well, done? That, no, you just asked two questions there. You said Probably. needed it done, wanted it done, or required it. Which one is it? Like, yeah. The, the fact How's is, how does it work for you? Okay, uh, there, there, it goes back to patterns, and I'm not going to be able to unpack that the short time we You're have. For, give me the, the condensed the version. Is, is that 
we see it with Moses in Egypt that God is telling Moses to say certain things to Pharaoh. Hmm. And he even explains this in the text. And we, we've got, I don't know, a couple dozen recordings already on the first few books of Exodus where he's saying, say this to Pharaoh hmm. and the Pharaoh's going to react a certain way. He's gonna, his heart is going to get hard and he's going to dig in his heels and he's going to react in this way. And there's a big debate. Was he God taking away the free will choice of the Pharaoh because he's supposedly hardening his heart? No, he's just saying it in a certain way. So certain things will come about. And whoever was instructing huh. Moses was instructing to say it. Pharaoh could have changed at any time and said, oh, I care about these poor Israelites and I'm not going to oppress them anymore. And I'm not going to force them to pay extra and I'm not going to take away their benefits. But he didn't. He got harder and harder. And long story why yeah. that is, I can explain the psychology of the individual pharaoh. We'll do that oh, eventually, yes. But uh, back to Jesus, because that's your, where your question is, is that this divine intelligence, this, this right reason, sees more than maybe I see. And this will take us over to tree of knowledge, tree of life, Holy Spirit my own mind, uh, knows that if you do certain things, certain things will happen. We live in a cause and effect mm. universe already built. And so that if Christ dies on the cross, showing the ultimate sacrifice, I'm dying so that ye may be free. Because what happened is this royal proclamation, there was a lot of things that went up to Pontius Pilate. Tiberius had resigned himself to an island because of bad health he had appointed what's the cause huh what's the cause what's the cause to to have god the effect of jesus dying what's the cause what was the cause the tree pilot is now the procurator of rome for a short period of time while Mm -hmm. tiberius is off on this island because of ill health he writes out a royal proclamation according to the laws of rome Hmm. That Jesus Christ is king, Jesus Christ is king, Jesus Christ is king. Three languages on ebony wood covered with white plaster. This is now an official document of Rome and exonerates Jesus. Uh But maybe makes a mistake, but maybe it's part of the plan. Hmm. Tells the Pharisees, you can, we can put to death this Jesus Barabbas, or you can uh, put to death Jesus Christ. Uh, and he's thinking Jesus Christ is this man of peace and wants to do everything by voluntarism and everything. And Barabbas has sworn the deaths of all the high priests of uh, Judea huh. and the whole politics thing going on there, which we can explain, but won't to keep this short. Um, <laughs> uh, brief it, brief it, brief it, brief it. So uh, <laughs> because he thinks they will definitely put to death Barabbas, because Barabbas has threatened them with death, but they don't. They see Jesus as the greater threat. And of course, I have a whole lecture on why, which is follow the money. Uh, And uh, so they say, we want to crucify Jesus. And Pontius Pilate is still referring to Jesus as the rightful king. Hmm. He says, so they want to free Barabbas. And they said, what do I do with your king? And they say, kill him. We have no king but Caesar. This is a precedent in the law 
that is taking place in Rome. As you judge, so shall you be judged. This is built into the law of nature. If you decide to go a certain way, you can lock yourself in there by what you say, by what you do. Hmm. And this is what Rome was now locked in to the fact that Jesus Christ is king because they wrote this out and they cannot rescind it according to the laws of Rome. And you have to go back and understand the laws of Rome, hmm. which are actually the laws of nature. Uh, when Jesus died, that proclamation was sealed in blood and they can't reverse it. And so this actually will play out. And this is the brief explanation today, <laughs> but it did not save all these Christians who think that they're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even warns about this. There, he says there'll be many. Why, why did he have to die though, Gregory? Why, well, what was the purpose of his death? Who needed him to die? Say that last question. Who needed him to die? Well, it's just, I didn't need him to die. <laughs> did, did God need himself to die in order to have this chance to save some people? No, he, Jesus, because Jesus died, let's look at what happened when Jesus died. Well, we can do that in part two. We can do that in part two. That there is a right of the people, a natural right of the people to be free under God rather than free under the gods of the world, which they talk about all the time through all the prophets, the gods of the world. That they could be free if they chose to go what Christianity was called the way. Uh, it was not called Christianity until much later, hmm. but it was called the way. You followed a certain way, and that way I've already explained, which is taking care of one another through faith, mm. hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and fealty. All the this people is the way. That is the way, <laughs> doing it by charity. And, and if you do it by charity, good things will happen. If you do it by force, bad things will happen. Mm. And I don't have to use the Bible to tell you this. I can use Polybius, Plutarch, I, I, psychologists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, if you think it's okay to take mm. a bite out of your neighbor through men who exercise authority, you will go into bondage. You will you will become merchandise, according to Peter. Mm. You will curse your children with debt. I mean, that's where you're at right mm. now. All the citizens of the United States, all the citizens of France, all the citizens of almost every country in the world are back in the bondage of Egypt again. And they are resources for the new world order, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I mean, I don't care if you call it whatever you want to call it, mm. but it, it, it will degenerate the people. Hmm. I mean, Polybius, 150 years before Christ, said that if you if the masses become accustomed because of their appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the rule of force and violence, they hmm. will degenerate hmm. as a people instituting that rule of violence and find once more a monarch and a king, a tyrant. Hmm. They, they will actually turn into what you would call what he calls in the translation. I won't give you the Greek perfect savages. Yeah. Wow. And and that perfect savages will they don't care what happens to anybody else. They want what they want and they want hmm. it now. They'll be busting into the stores of their neighbors and stealing everything they can get, hmm. even though they don't need it. Uh, they'll burn it down just for the heck of it. And that's kind of perfect savages. Hmm. And 
and I'm not picking on the those people who are supposedly protesters. Well, it sounds like raising children. So they'll actually. be invading <laughs> countries and everything else, <laughs> shooting down, down balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah UFOs and whatnot. All right, Gregory, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much. Uh, go ahead and plug all your stuff, um, and we'll close it out here. <clears throat> okay. Uh, our my, The main website we work on is hisholychurch.org and preparing you, just like it's spelled, preparingyou.com. Hmm. Uh, most all of our audios are on preparingyou.com. We have some other sites that are uh, all around. We have a network you can join through preparing you or hisholychurch.org just go to the network links and mm. it's based on geography so if you're in in las vegas you can mm. join the network there you'll get the emails you can it's meant to be used to help you meet other people that are beginning to think differently mm. and think about kate taking care of one another through faith hope and charity instead of force fear and fealty mm. and uh so uh and then you'll get updates on recordings and all that kind of stuff Awesome. So, and and the books are all available at hisholychurch.org in PDF form if you search the titles and you can download them for free. So that saves me having to package them up and mail them out to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's half the fun, though. You put little stickers in there. Well, maybe a my note. wife does it all. So there you go. I'm just, I'm just relieving her burden. <laughs> so, there you go. Absolutely. That's what we can do. Well, I'm not trying husbands. to make a profit off this. I'm trying to mm. show people what we've been missing. Hmm. Why the, the nation is going in the direction it's going. Hmm. Why there seems to be so confusion, so much confusion about what should be very basic, obvious things. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not defending modern Christianity uh -huh. or Constantinian Christianity. Uh -huh. I'm trying to show people what some of these ancient philosophers or whatever you want to call them, prophets, were trying to show us, which was this way of of that is actually setting the captive free. Mm. And ex I think that Christ's death was extremely instrumental in part of that, but it doesn't save you if you don't follow the ways of mm. love and charity and caring about one another, diligently follow them. This is the and, way. And so I'm, I'm just showing you what Moses was really trying to teach the people, which was quite mm. a strain. I have, since I've started this road 50 some 60 some years ago, I have developed great sympathy for Moses. <laughs> <laughs> He's an interesting character for sure. And I, I love your ideas. They're very interesting. A lot of this stuff I've never even heard of or <clears throat> uh, that's it's fun. It's a lot started. of fun. I love it. I love it. We'll <laughs> definitely have to do a part two. I'm going to, I'm going to close it out here though. Thank you so much for your time today and your answers and, and, and everything else, man. I appreciate okay. it. Stay safe out there. We'll keep in touch. God bless you. Right. Nice meeting you. Yeah. He, he's going to bless you anyway. <laughs> How do you know it's him? He's the unmoved mover. You're the one that's moved. <laughs> All right, Gregory. See you later, man. Okay. Have a good day. You That's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. 
If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will give you access to the patron feed, unaired conversations, early access to each episode, and much more. For the latest events, BSW swag, and a peek behind the scenes, head on over to the show's ever evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. The Bible says what the book is out. Head on over to thebiblesayswhat.com and get yourself and your grandma a signed copy. Thanks to the cosmic powers of the internet, it is now possible to buy me a beer or coffee online. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BSW the podcast and click the appropriate buttons. If you can't support the show monetarily, please like, share, and or leave a review. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram pages. You can also reach me at bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? That's the one. Fucking do that one.